0: CHAPTER Thirty Seven OF A HAZARD OF NEW FORTUNES. THIS LibriVox RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. The marches had no longer the gross appetite for novelty, which urges youth to a surfeit of strange scenes, experiences, ideas, and makes travel, with all its annoyances and fatigues, an inexhaustible delight. But there is no doubt that the chief pleasure of their life in New York was from its quality of foreignness the flavour of olives, which once tasted can never be forgotten. The olives may not be of the first excellence, they may be a little stale and small and poor to begin with, but they are still olives, and the fond palate craves them. The sort which grew in New York on Lower Sixth Avenue and in the region of Jefferson Market and on the soft exposures south of Washington Square were none the less acceptable because they were of the commonest Italian variety. The Marches spent a good deal of time and money in a grocery of that nationality, where they found all the patriotic comestibles and potables, and renewed their faded Italian with the friendly family in charge. Italian table d'hote formed the adventure of the week, on the day when Mrs. March let her domestics go out, and went herself to dine abroad with her husband and children. And they became adepts in the restaurants where they were served, and which they varied almost from dinner to dinner. The perfect decorum of these places, and their immunity from offence in any, emboldened the Marches to experiment in Spanish restaurants, where red pepper and beans insisted in every dinner, and where once they chanced upon a night of Olla Podrida, with such appeals to March's memory of a boyish ambition to taste the dish that he became poetic and then pensive over its cabbage and carrots, peas and bacon. For a rare combination of international motives, they prized most the table d'hote of a French lady, who had taken a Spanish husband in a second marriage, and had a Cuban negro for her cook, with a cross-eyed Alsatian for waiter and a slim young South American for cashier march held that something of the catholic character of these relations expressed itself in the generous and tolerant variety of the dinner which was singularly abundant for fifty cents without wine at one very neat french place he got a dinner at the same price with wine but it was not so abundant and march inquired in fruitless speculation why the table d'hôte of the italians a notoriously frugal and abstemious people should be usually more than you wanted at seventy-five cents and a dollar and that of the french rather less at half a dollar he could not see that the frequenters were greatly different at the different places they were mostly americans of subdued manners and conjecturably subdued fortunes with here and there a table full of foreigners there was no noise, and not much smoking anywhere. March liked going to that neat French place, because there Madame sat enthroned and high, behind a comptoir at one side of the room, and everybody saluted her in going out. It was there that a gentle-looking young couple used to dine, in whom the Marches became effectlessly interested, because they thought they looked like that when they were young the wife had an aesthetic dress and defined her pretty head by wearing her back hair pulled up very tight under her bonnet the husband had dreamy eyes set wide apart under a pure forehead they are artists auguste i think march suggested to the waiter when he had vainly asked about them oh artists certainly auguste consented but heaven knows whether they were or what they were march never learned this immunity from acquaintance this touch-and-go quality in their new york sojourn this almost loss of individuality at times after the intense identification of their boston life was a relief though mrs march had her misgivings and questioned whether it was not perhaps too relaxing to the moral fibre march refused to explore his conscience he allowed that it might be so but he said he liked now and then to feel his personality in that state of solution. They went and sat a good deal in the softening evenings among the infants and dotards of Latin extraction in Washington Square, safe from all who ever knew them, and enjoyed the advancing season which thickened the foliage of the trees and flattered out of sight the churchwarden's Gothic of the university building. The infants were sometimes cross, and cried in their weary mothers' or little sisters' arms, but they did not disturb the dotards, who slept, some with their heads fallen forward, and some with their heads fallen back. March arbitrarily distinguished those with the drooping faces as tipsy and ashamed to confront the public. The small Italian children raced up and down the asphalt paths, playing American games of tag and and hide-and-whoop, Larger boys passed ball in training for potential championships. The Marches sat and mused or quarrelled fitfully about where they should spend the summer, like sparrows, he once said, till the electric lights began to show distinctly among the leaves, and they looked round and found the infants and dotards gone, and the benches filled with lovers. That was the signal for the Marches to go home. He said that the spectacle of so much courtship as the eye might take in there at a glance was not, perhaps, oppressive, but the thought that at the same hour the same thing was going on all over the country, wherever two young fools could get together, was more than he could bear. He did not deny that it was natural, and, in a measure authorised, but he declared that it was hackneyed, and the fact that it must go on for ever, as long as the race lasted, made him tired.' At home, generally, they found that the children had not missed them and were perfectly safe. It was one of the advantages of a flat that they could leave the children there whenever they liked without anxiety. They liked better staying there than wandering about in the evening with their parents, whose excursions seemed to them somewhat aimless and their pleasures insipid. They studied, or read, or looked out of the window at the street sights, and their mother always came back to them with a pang for their lonesomeness. Bella knew some little girls in the house, but in a ceremonious way. Tom had formed no friendship among the boys at school such as he had left in Boston. As nearly as he could explain, the New York fellows carried canes at an age when they would have them broken for them by the other boys at Boston and they were both sissyish and fast. It was probably prejudice. He never could say exactly what their demerits were, and as neither he nor Bella was apparently so homesick as they pretended, though they answered inquirers, the one that New York was a hole, the other that it was horrid, and that all they lived for was to get back to Boston. In the meantime they were thrown much upon each other for society, which March said was well for both of them. He did not mind their cultivating a little gloom, and the sense of a common wrong. It made them better comrades, and it was providing them with amusing reminiscences for the future. They really enjoyed bohemianizing in that harmless way, though Tom had his doubts of its respectability. He was very punctilious about his sister, and went round from his own school every day to fetch her home from hers. The whole family went to the theatre a good deal and enjoyed themselves together in their desultory explorations of the city they lived near greenwich village and march liked strolling through its quaintness toward the waterside on a saturday when a hereditary sabbatarianism kept his wife at home he made her observe that it even kept her at home from church he found a lingering quality of pure americanism in the region and he said the very bells called to worship in a nasal tone. He liked the streets of small brick houses, with here and there one painted red, and the mortar lines picked out in white, and with now and then a fine wooden portal of fluted pillars and a bowed transom. The rear of the tenement houses showed him the picturesqueness of clothes lines fluttering far aloft, as in Florence. And the new apartment houses, breaking the old skyline with their towering stories, implied a life as alien to the American manner as anything in continental Europe. In fact, foreign faces and foreign tongues prevailed in Greenwich Village, but no longer German or even Irish tongues or faces the eyes and earrings of italians twinkled in and out of the alleyways and basements and they seemed to abound even in the streets where long ranks of trucks drawn up on sunday rest along the curbstones suggested the presence of a race of sturdier strength than theirs march liked the swarthy strange visages he found nothing menacing for the future in them for wickedness he had to satisfy himself as he could with the sneering insolent clean-shaven mug of some rare american of the boy type now almost as extinct in new york as the dodo or the volunteer fireman when he had found his way among the ash-barrels and the groups of decently dressed church-goers to the docks he experienced a sufficient excitement in the recent arrival of a french steamer whose sheds were thronged with hacks and express wagons and in a tacit inquiry into the emotions of the passengers fresh from the cleanliness of paris and now driving up through the filth of those streets some of the streets were filthier than others there was at least a choice there were boxes and barrels of kitchen offal on all the sidewalks but not everywhere manure heaps and in some places the stench was mixed with the more savoury smell of cooking. One Sunday morning, before the winter was quite gone, the sight of the frozen refuse melting in heaps, and particularly the loathsome edges of the rotting ice near the gutters, with the strata of waste paper and straw-litter and eggshells and orange-peel, potato-skins and cigar-stumps, made him unhappy he gave a whimsical shrug for the squalor of the neighboring houses and said to himself rather than the boy who was with him it's curious isn't it how fond the poor people are of these unpleasant thoroughfares you always find them living in the worst streets the burden of all the wrong in the world comes on the poor said the boy every sort of fraud and swindling hurts them the worst The city wastes the money it's paid to clean the streets with, and the poor have to suffer, for they can't afford to pay twice like the rich. March stopped short. "Hello, Tom. Is that your wisdom?' "'It's what Mr. Lindau says,' answered the boy doggedly, as if not pleased to have his ideas mocked at, even if they were second-hand. "'And you didn't tell him that the poor lived in dirty streets because they liked them, and were too lazy and worthless to have them cleaned?' no i didn't i'm surprised what do you think of lindau generally speaking tom well sir i don't like the way he talks about some things i don't suppose this country is perfect but i think it's about the best there is and it don't do any good to look at its drawbacks all the time sound my son said march putting his hand on the boy's shoulder and beginning to walk on well well then he says that it isn't the public frauds only that the poor have to pay for but they have to pay for all the vices of the rich that when a speculator fails or a bank cashier defaults or a firm suspends or hard times come it's the poor who have to give up necessaries where the rich give up luxuries well well and then well then i think the crank comes in in mr lindau he says there's no need of failures or frauds or hard times it's ridiculous. There always have been, and there always will be. But if you tell him that, it seems to make him perfectly furious. March repeated the substance of this talk to his wife. I'm glad to know that Tom can see through such ravings. He has lots of good common sense. It was the afternoon of the same Sunday, and they were sauntering up Fifth Avenue and admiring the wide old double houses at the lower end. At one corner they got a distinct pleasure out of the gnarled elbows that a pollarded wisteria leaned upon the top of a garden wall, for its convenience in looking into the street, he said. The line of these comfortable dwellings, once so fashionable, was continually broken by the facades of shops, and March professed himself vulgarized by a want of style in the people they met in their walk to 23rd Street. "'Take me somewhere to meet my fellow-exclusives, Isabel,' he demanded. "'I pine for the society of my peers.' He hailed a passing omnibus and made his wife get on the roof with him. "'Think of our doing such a thing in Boston,' she sighed, with a little shiver of satisfaction in her immunity from recognition and comment. "'You wouldn't be afraid to do it in London or Paris.' "'No, we should be strangers there, just as we are in New York.' I wonder how long one could be a stranger here. Oh, indefinitely in our way of living. The place is really vast, so much larger than it used to seem, and so heterogeneous. When they got down very far uptown and began to walk back by Madison Avenue, they found themselves in a different population from that they dwelt among. Not heterogeneous at all, very homogeneous and almost purely American the only qualification was American Hebrew. Such a well-dressed, well-satisfied, well-fed-looking crowd poured down the broad sidewalks before the handsome, stupid houses that March could easily pretend he had got among his fellow plutocrats at last. Still, he expressed his doubts whether this Sunday afternoon parade, which seemed to be a thing of custom, represented the best form among the young people of that region. He wished he knew— he blamed himself for becoming a fastidious conjecture. He could not deny the fashion and the richness and the indigeneity of the spectacle. The promenaders looked New Yorky. They were the sort of people whom you would know for New Yorkers elsewhere, so well equipped and so perfectly kept at all points. Their silk hats shone and their boots. Their frocks had the right distension behind, and their bonnets perfect poise and distinction the marchers talked of these and other facts of their appearance and curiously questioned whether this were the best that a great material civilization could come to it looked a little dull the men's faces were shrewd and alert and yet they looked dull the women's were pretty and knowing and yet dull it was probably the holiday expression of the vast prosperous commercial class with unlimited money and no ideals that money could not realize fashion and comfort were all they desired to compass and the culture that furnishes showily that decorates and that tells the culture say of plays and operas rather than books perhaps the observers did the promenaders injustice they might not have been as common-minded as they looked but march said i understand now why the poor people don't come up here and live in this clean handsome respectable quarter of the town they would be bored to death On the whole, I think I should prefer Mott Street myself. In other walks the Marches tried to find some of the streets they had wandered through the first day of their wedding journey in New York so long ago. They could not make sure of them, but once they ran down to the battery and easily made sure of that, though not in its old aspect. They recalled the hot morning when they sauntered over the trodden weed that covered the sickly grass-plots there and sentimentalized the sweltering paupers who had crept out of the squalid tenements about for a breath of air after a sleepless night now the paupers were gone and where the old mansions that had fallen to their use once stood there towered aloft and abroad those heights and masses of many-storied brickwork for which architecture has yet no proper form and aesthetics no name The trees and shrubs, all in their young spring green, blew briskly over the guarded turf in the south wind that came up over the water, and in the well-paved alleys the ghosts of eighteenth-century fashion might have met each other in their old haunts, and exchanged stately congratulations upon its vastly bettered condition, and perhaps puzzled a little over the colossal lady on Bedloe's island with her lifted torch, and still more over the curving tracks and chalet stations of the elevated road. It is an outlook of unrivalled beauty across the bay, that smokes and flashes with the innumerable stacks and sails of commerce, to the hills beyond where the moving forest of masts halts at the shore, and roots itself in the groves of the many-villaged uplands. The Marches paid the charming prospects a willing duty, and rejoiced in it as generously as if it had been their own. Perhaps it was, they decided. He said people owned more things in common than they were apt to think, and they drew the consolations of proprietorship from the excellent management of Castle Garden, which they penetrated for a moment's glimpse of the huge rotunda, where the immigrants first set foot on our continent it warmed their hearts so easily moved to any cheap sympathy to see the friendly care the nation took of these humble guests they found it even pathetic to hear the proper authority calling out the names of such as had kin or acquaintance waiting there to meet them no one appeared troubled or anxious the officials had a conscientious civility the government seemed to manage their welcome as well as a private company or corporation could have done in fact it was after the simple strangers had left the government care that march feared their woes might begin and he would have liked the government to follow each of them to his home wherever he meant to fix it within our borders he made note of the looks of the licensed runners and tutors waiting for the immigrants outside the government premises he intended to work them up into a dramatic effect in some sketch but they remained mere material in his memorandum-book together with some quaint old houses on the sixth avenue road which he had noticed on the way down on the way up these were superseded in his regard by some hip-roof structures on the ninth avenue which he thought more dutch-looking The perspectives of the cross streets toward the river were very lively, with their turmoil of trucks and cars and carts and hacks and foot-passengers ending in the chimneys and masts of shipping and final gleams of dancing water. At a very noisy corner, clangorous with some sort of iron-working, he made his wife enjoy with him the quiet sarcasm of an inn that called itself the Home-like Hotel, and he speculated at the fantastic length on the gentle associations of one who should have passed his youth under its roof chapter thirty seven